Welcome in to the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And today we welcome in a longtime guest, Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. Greg, thanks for coming on. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. As we talked off air, I can apologize for the ugly background. It's the only quiet place in the house. So hopefully, <laughs> no one's going to make too many comments and uh, it's going to work out. So good to be all good. With you. Yeah, all good. Um, there's been a lot of news the last couple of weeks in the college landscape. Uh, we've had you on around this time last year when USC and, and Washington or USC and UCLA, excuse me, left to go to the Big Ten. Um, or announced that they were going. Now Oregon and Washington are following, and we figured let's let's get you on, get your thoughts on this. Um, we've heard a lot about a bit, some of these reasons of why they're leaving is playing best against the best competition and to enhance their visibility. That's what the message has been from USC and UCLA. That's now the message from Oregon and Washington. Um, but we've also seen some kids dating back to last year out west that have said like. I want to play close to home, and that doesn't give me that opportunity. Um, does this change now that there's four schools out west in the Big Ten? Does this still have kind of a wishy-washy vibe with recruits from, with the with the move? Yeah, no, honestly, for those for those kids who said, you know, location matters. I don't want to have to fly all over the place. I think having two extra Pac-10, Pac-12 schools, whatever we call them, definitely helps. You know, I know if you read David Woods, you know, he's been, you know, pushing for like a six team West coast pod for a while, just, just for that reason. Right. Just to make it a little easier for the travel, not just for football, basketball, but obviously, you know, those Olympic sports, I'm a huge fan of the Olympic sports. So um, when I say that, I mean, you know, like water polo, softball, soccer. And so I, I feel for those sports, but I, I said this last year when we, when we talked from, you know, just from an Oregon perspective, I, I don't really know if it matters too much. Cause I really think Oregon is such a national brand now where, you know, not comparing them to this school, but, you know, Notre Dame has always been independent. They never had an issue uh, getting kids to go in there. And I, I truly believe Oregon is that school right now. They have such a good national brand. The staff works so hard. Whether they were a part of a big-time conference, I don't want me to jump ahead, but uh, I, I thought they were going to be taken care of. They're going to be fine from a recruiting standpoint, whether they stayed behind, whether they were independent, whether they went to, you know, Big 12, Big 10, um, regardless. But I do think, you know, just those four Pac-12 schools that are moving on to the Big 10, um, I, I do think it does help a little bit for some of those kids that were did, that did have some concerns about the travel. Yeah, Greg, I wanted to ask you also, another part of this is, is how do you think Oregon, you mentioned kind of being a national brand, how do you think this is going to help Oregon recruit in the Midwest? I know that's not an area that you're established in quite the same way, but you know, Oregon is now going to be able to say that, hey, we're going to play in Michigan and Ohio and Wisconsin and Indiana and Illinois and all these states on a regular basis. Do you see that? maybe creating a, an uptick in success Oregon could have in the Midwest? Or do you kind of say, hey, Oregon's been the national brand for so long that maybe this doesn't even have much of an impact? Yeah, no, if, if it has any impact, it obviously I think it will be a positive one. But like you kind of said, they, they already were able to go in the Midwest and get kids, right? They were able to go into Florida and get kids. So they're they able to go national already. Uh, but now I, I do think it's going to help even more telling that kid oh. from Michigan, from Ohio, from Illinois, from India hey, you're going to be able to, I don't have no clue what the schedule is going to look like, but you're going to be able to at least say, hey, at least every other year we're going to be playing in your hometown. Your family can come and watch you play. That, that's always going to be fun, right? But I've always said this also, you know, if you want to go to a school, um, you're going to go to that school. And I don't know if being able to be close to home to play one game every other year 
is going to really move the needle that much. But again, if it does, it's going to be a, a, for the positive. So I, I see it nothing, nothing but good for, for Oregon and Washington as well. I wanted to ask this part too, because I think Oregon and USC have become bigger recruiting rivals over the last half decade than ever before. I think it seems from my perspective, and again, living in Oregon, that this will only heighten some of that rivalry, especially some of the reporting there on USC maybe not wanting Oregon involved in the Big Ten, but also now because they'll be in the same conference going after and again, continuing to go after the same recruits. Do you kind of anticipate like this is going to become one of the bigger storylines and even maybe more so on the West Coast of just like Oregon versus USC? And I guess um, Oregon has had some success recently. Like, How do you see them stacking up against the Trojans in specific you know, circumstances? No, I mean, I do see it as a rivalry, you know, and I don't, I'm not really a friendly one, right? I think the last four or five years, we've definitely seen, they go after a lot of the same kids. And, you know, in years past, if it was a local Southern California kid, automatically, uh, USC, I'd always say it was kind of start off in pole position, right? The kids recruitment starts up, USC usually is that kid's uh, childhood favorite. But now we're hearing, ironically, uh, a lot of it is due to Chip Kelly, who was at UCLA, We've said this before, a lot of these kids grew up liking Oregon because of those Chip Kelly, D'Anthony Thomas, Marcus Mariota teams. And uh, I think Oregon's benefiting from that more than UCLA is with Chip Kelly, uh, which is the ironic part. But no, I, I think SC and Oregon going after the same players. Both are very aggressive, um, both staffs. Uh, and again, it's, it's even on the field when they play each other. You know, I've heard people say, man, there's more trash talk in that game than any other game. Um, so it, it's a fun, friendly, non-friendly rivalry. And I think it's definitely going to intensify. I don't know if that was true or not. I didn't really do a whole lot of research whether USC didn't want Oregon. I, I know I'm pretty confident that, you know, neither school probably, um, you know, SC, UCLA, I, I got to think they probably like the idea of being in a conference, Power 5 conference, and maybe Oregon, Washington, maybe not being at that same power five level. Now they're going to be not just at the power five level, but the same conference. I'm sure they probably uh, wouldn't have minded Oregon kind of being at a little lower level. You'd be able to use that against them in recruiting. But now that they're the same conference, I see some of those rivalries recruiting wise, definitely intensifying. Gary Baker and Aiden Breland seem like the two five stars. Oregon has the best chance um, to land. Brandon Baker. Yeah, uh, Brandon Baker. I don't know why. Gary Baker's the older brother that played at Oregon a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, What can you tell us currently about their recruitments just as the summer has now clicked almost into fall camp? I'm sure down in SoCal, fall camp has started. um, Where Oregon currently sits there. And just how do we view these prospects as are they like instant plug and play guys or are they players who are going to need a couple years to adjust and you know, it's just their potential sky high. How, how do we look at these two players? Yeah, no, good question. Uh, Aiden Breland, I, I think Oregon's doing well. You know, I think it's them in Georgia as his top two. A&M's involved in there. Um, you know, a few other schools are, are in there. He took a handful of trips. Miami's still pushing. But I do think it's Georgia, Oregon. Uh, those are probably the same two for Nate Frazier, also from modern day. Uh, and Breland is He's a freak athlete. You know, he's one of those guys. He hasn't been super productive yet. I think he only had maybe like 20 tackles around there last year. Um, but, I mean, he's a 6'5", 295-pound athlete who looks lean, uh, moves like a 245-pound kid. Uh, he, he's aggressive, um, multi-sport background, big-time track guy with the throws, um, baseball background. Honestly, he said growing up, one of his favorite sports was swimming. So he's just a really fluid, gifted athlete who physically just projects. I mean, he's what you're looking for in a next level defensive lineman, inside, outside guy. 
you know, kind of being comped a little bit to Jalen Carter, who, uh, you know, was Georgia and first round pick. So I think that's his upside. Now, can he come in and be dominant right away? Uh, we'll see. You know, he hasn't dominated at the high school level yet, but I think this will be a big senior year. At modern day, they rotate like eight D linemen. So it's not like he's getting, you know, a ton of reps, but, you know, he's got upside off the charts. Brendan Baker is a player who this time last year was a heavy Oregon lean. Adrian Clem was a big part of that. And uh, I think now, getting pretty, said this multiple times, I think other schools, have, uh, you know, namely Texas, Ohio State, have kind of caught up to Oregon. You know, I don't think yeah. he's an Oregon lock at all. I don't even know if he's an Oregon lean right now. I don't know if he has a leader, but Oregon is still in the mix. He didn't take an official visit because he said he's been there so many times. He wanted to use those visit weekends to go see other schools. Uh, Ohio State, Texas, those are two trips that he loved. And I think those three schools have kind of separated themselves from everybody else. Uh, you know, Brandon is a guy who plays right tackle. I think he's got the athleticism to play left tackle in college. Again, talk about Braylon with the frame. Baker, similar, just prototypical frame. 6'4", pushing 6'5", with the 82-ish wingspan. Um, you know, again, really fluid, technically sound, uh, an aggressive kid, smart, highly intelligent football player, uh, has just the right amount of nastiness to, to really survive and excel in the trenches. So, um, I think both those two recruitments, I've kind of been fascinated to, to watch just from a timing standpoint. Uh, when are they going to commit? They've both kind of gone back and forth, you know, saying, hey, end of the year or excuse me, end of the summer, which would be now uh, before my senior year. Um, they first game is, is this coming Friday, right, for both of them. And so I don't think that's going to happen as far as committing before the season starts. So now you're looking at maybe into September. Baker recently told me he's going to take a visit to Nebraska officially in September. Uh, so look for him to not decide maybe until October. And then Breland, same way. I, I think, you know, at one point he kind of went back and forth, and that looks like he's going to probably wait um, until maybe early to mid-season. So I would probably guess September, October-ish for Breland as well. Uh, tell me if I'm – this is some, uh, I guess, some opinion here uh, with with Brandon. He's very familiar, like you said, with Oregon. His brother played there. He's been here a lot of times. My personal read at, on this, it feels like he likes Oregon a lot, but he's trying to – maybe grow as a person and can, and find a reason not to go to Oregon. Maybe if that will, like that's like the safe pick. I, I'm comfortable there. I've always been there. I'm going to reach out and find something new. And it always kind of feels like that's where we're at with him is he's just trying to find something you know else and not just do what everyone expects him to do. Yeah. I think there, there might be some um, relevancy in that. He, he has said, you know, Oregon is the safe pick for him. He's very comfortable right. there. And a lot of times he's taking these visits to see, okay, can anybody match what I already know about Oregon? That's the other thing about Brandon is, you know, like the kid a lot, you know, big personality, fun to talk to. But I, I, I'm not naive to think that everything he tells me is gospel truth, right? I, I think a lot of these kids understand, you know, when they're doing an interview um, and they're talking to you, they're not going to give you all the truth, they're, they're going to maybe play the game a little bit. They're going to tell you, you know, what they think is going to be interesting um, for the rest of the world to read about you. And so when Brandon, you know, kind of talks about Oregon, you know, I, I don't know if he's even telling me the whole truth. You know what I mean? Like he, he could be an Oregon lock for all I know. Right. And it's just making it interesting. Right. A lot of these kids, they have a big announcement. They want to try to make it more dramatic, make their announcement more exciting. And for such a long time, it was, you know, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. So maybe he's just telling me these other schools have a chance just to make his announcement more interesting. Now, 
say I say that to say um, I don't think that's true. Just because I've talked right. to enough people around Brandon who also think, hey, no, Ohio State, Texas are really, really, you know, right there. So um, I do think Oregon is very comfortable there. He does like the staff a lot. Um, you know, I, I think he's trying to get to know the offensive line coach a little bit more. I don't yeah. know if he knows him as well, uh, maybe as he knows some of the other O-line coaches and definitely not as well as he knows Coach Clem. So that's one thing to watch for is just his relationship with the staff, specifically offensive line coach-wise. Um, so uh, if, if he is comfortable with, with that standpoint, I think that's probably um, only going to help Oregon. But right now, honestly, I think it's I think it's probably too close to call for me. I wouldn't even sure. try to play crystal ball if I had to. Say quick break and we'll continue our conversation here with Greg Biggins. Welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, welcome again to the show. We've got Greg Biggins on of 24-7 Sports giving us some Big Ten national recruiting talks centered around the Oregon Ducks. I wanted to talk... And actually, part of the reason we wanted to have you on was the Dakota Fields flip, which felt from the outside like pretty significant, first off, because he's one of the better players from that region. Um, and I know you posted up on the message board a couple of days ago that you'd seen him play, I think, last week, and he had had a pretty darn good game that kind of maybe solidified some of that sentiment. You've, you've since had a – I think you've had a couple of different stories up with quotes from Dakota talking about some of his decision – how much did the the Big Ten move for Oregon help the Ducks here? Um, and, and can you kind of speak to that component of it and then give us just kind of an evaluation of what you see with Dakota and what Oregon's getting? You know what? We didn't even talk Big Ten, to be honest with you. Oh, that's probably on me. I probably should have asked that. So um, I, I had – well, let's back up. He was an Oregon – essentially an Oregon silent commit for, you know, early on in the spring. And mm -hmm. then, you know, USC started to create some buzz. He took a visit to USC – and he committed on that trip, which that kind of shocked a lot of people, um, only because we knew how much he liked Oregon and also felt that he had already kind of given Oregon a little sign and just hadn't gotten public with it yet. So Oregon's a dream school for him. He said that multiple times. And, and that's why, again, I mean, I'm probably the most conservative when it comes to the crystal ball. And I put one in for Oregon just because I knew he had already kind of told them he was going there. So um, but I knew, um, you know, if, if Oregon was still going to recruit him heavily, um, you know, he took another trip, Friday Night Lights. And it just felt like, okay, something could happen here. And then he went ahead and committed. I talked to him at, at his scrimmage. You know, when he talked, talked, talked to him the morning that he went public with his flip and, you know, text a few times back and forth, got a few quotes, nothing too exciting, right? And then I talked to him this past Friday at his scrimmage and just said, hey, you know, why did you even commit to USC in the first place, right? That was the obvious question was, you know, Oregon locked seemed like, take a visit to USC, you commit there right away. Now you're going to Oregon where you, we thought you were going all along. And he kind of said, you know what? Uh, his family really liked USC a lot. And I got the sense that he didn't say they pressured him into it. Just kind of felt like, you know, he was kind of doing it more uh, for family reasons. He didn't say anything about conference affiliation or Big Ten. Uh, and then he goes, you know what, or Oregon, you know, mom and dad are both there, Friday Night Lights, or excuse me, Saturday Night Live event. Um, and he goes, they, they loved it as much as I did. And we knew they saw basically what I have been seeing you know, this whole time and they understood why Oregon was the, was the pick for me. And, and so he's super comfortable with that. Uh, again, going to the school, he always kind of wanted to go to. And so I, I don't think conference really made a difference to be honest. He's, he's going where he always wanted to go. Uh, as for what he looks like, I mean, he looked great. You know, he, he's, you know, six, probably six, one and a half. Um, always been, you know, a physical player, uh, made a couple big tackles in the game. Um, you know, he's an aggressive corner. 
Uh, he's got a little edge in him, right? You know, he's he's the guy who you're trying to block him. He's grabbing your face mask and throwing you around. You know, he's got there working on everything else. Technique uh, will come. So he's a player. He's a, he's a top 100 player for me nationally. I think he's, you know, the Sarah coaches really rave about him. You know, they, they've always had some great DBs at Sarah. Uh, their longtime DB coach, Marvin Pollard, told me he thinks he's the best DB they've had since um, – you know, Dory Jackson a few years back. So wow. pretty big compliment, and that shows you how much they, they love him over there. Jericho Johnson, uh, four-star defensive lineman um, out of Fairfield, California. Just what have you seen from him? You know, he, he's got some schools starting to pick up here, Washington, Oregon, USC, Utah. Um, just what are your thoughts on Jericho's recruitment and just – kind of how things have progressed for Oregon along the way. Yeah, no. So he's a kid who I don't think is in any hurry. He's got those. Those are his final four. Um, he's going to officially visit it, visit all of them. I think he's only been to Washington so far. And he's also been to Washington a few times unofficially. So I think they feel pretty good. But, you know, Oregon will get an official trip during the season, as will USC and Utah. So I know he does like Oregon a lot. I would probably put them in the top two. I'm not sure who the other, other school is. Uh, but I do think Oregon's probably in that top two with someone – uh, that official visit will be big. And uh, so I don't, again, I don't see a, a decision from him until, you know, mid to later season when he gets those trips in, but I mean, he's, he's a, he's a big time player, man. He's a big time lineman. Again, inside outside guy, active kid, motor, you know, love the frame projects very, very well, plays hard, uh, all of those things. So, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a must get, I think, especially out West. We don't get a lot of impact D linemen. So I think he's one of the best, um, you know, and I'm curious to see what he's going to do. But, you know, again, nothing, nothing imminent. Take all those officials and probably decide later on, later on the season. A couple other guys Oregon's got committed are from the SoCal area. Jordan Anderson, Kamar Mathudi, Dylan Williams, uh, Dylan Gresham, um, Jack Ressler are, are all guys from your area that you go out and see these kids play on Friday nights. Just have any of those guys you feel like just taking a big step from when camp season hit and, I don't know, February, March. And now that they've hit, you know, the, the, the football season for high school ball and, you know, the season start this week. Um, yeah. I mean, probably too, too uh, soon to tell me. If, yeah, if they've that's true. I got, I've seen them all. Um, you know, I saw them all in the off season. Um, I'd say Gresham was the, probably the guy who made the biggest leap from last season to this season. So now we'll see, you know, I, I don't think he could be more productive than he was last season. He, he put up ridiculous numbers. I want to say like 2000 yards and, you know, a thousand yeah. touchdowns. So, uh, you know, he just looks, he looks more explosive to me. Uh, he just That's looks crazy. quicker, faster. Um, he plays at a different pace. Um, you know, Jordan Anderson, same way, you know, he had a really good off season, super competitive. He's, he's playing at new school now, Newport Harbor, uh, with a quarterback, Jane O'Neill, uh, who's one of the top sophomore quarterbacks out West. Uh, so, you know, he should put up big numbers, Again, just looks more twitchy to me. Uh, love Kamar Mathudi. Saw him several times. I mean, he's a highly competitive. He goes to every single camp. You know, one of those guys who has all of his offers, and and he still goes to you know every camp and wants to go compete. And um, he plays for Los Alamitos now. Los Alamitos, Los Alamitos played Sarah. The scrimmage I was at Friday, so um, he he was out, out there for a half. Big kid. I mean, he's six three and two twenty. Um, you know, Dylan Williams uh, didn't get to see him at all this off season. Unfortunately, he had a couple of injuries, uh, but I think he's, he's playing now, um, you know, just really active. He's moving inside, uh, always kind of played as a weak side, you know, almost kind of like an edge guy. Now he's playing strictly as an inside backer, and I'm looking for him to have a, you know, a good year. And then Jack Ressler, too, um, always been pretty natural as a pass catcher. 
Um, I think what Jack I wanted to see was him make a leap athletically, um, you know, just quicker, um, little, you know, little more burst, a little more juice in his game, we'll call it. So uh, probably going to go see him play on Friday, um, modern day Centennial, which is two of the top 15 teams in the country. So that'll be a good game that I'll be at. So looking for Jack. Uh, again, great kid. And, um, you know, hopefully he has a big year. Modern day has the number one team in the nation, probably one of the best yeah. I've ever seen on paper. So looking for Jack to have a big year. But I get two weeks ago, right around this time, you are messaging us to tell us about Akili Smith Jr. going to Oregon. And it was a big start for the class. And I, I guess I'm curious, in 2025, what, what's the impact of having not just a quarterback committed, but one of the better ones out West? Um, and then maybe talk a little about what you've seen from Akili in terms of his growth and, and, and where you think that could be headed. And, and maybe even just like way, way down the line, how quickly you think he could be an impact guy at this level? Yeah, no, Keeley's grown a ton. I saw him as an eighth grader. You know, his dad, we, we call we call him KJ for, for Keeley. Keeley short. Um, um, so instead of saying Keeley Jr., you just call him KJ. Um, Akili Sr. sent me his tape uh, when he was like seventh, eighth grade. And I'll be honest, I was just, it was just okay for me. I didn't have, you know, it wasn't easy for me to tell Pops, oh, you know, who's this former, you know, top three pick and, you know, phenomenal quarterback, you know, oh yeah, he's just okay for me. I just, oh yeah, you know, looks great. Look forward to seeing him develop. And, you know, he'd say, no, what do you really think? And I go, you know, I don't really love the release. Um, looks a little, little statuesque. I'd like to see a little more, mo you know, mobility from my quarterback. And, and he, he took it. He was like, Hey, we're working on all those things. So it wasn't like, you know, you don't, he wasn't defensive at all, which is cool. And then, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, man, he's, uh, you know, KJ's made a big jump, um, big kid, um, ball pops out of his hand. Um, you know, he's just great deep ball right now. I think the game is starting to slow down for him. He had a really good sophomore year. Now he's playing at Lincoln high school in San Diego, uh, who just won a state title last year. That's where Achille went to school himself. So now KJ's over there at Lincoln. They got great athletes over there. So, you know, I think he'll make a, another jump. <clears throat> Reportedly did really well at the future 50. I was not there, uh, but talking to our guys, they liked him a lot. So, you know, he's a big upside guy. You know, I still see some rawness in his game. I still, you know, think he's not quite there yet, but shoot, he's got two more years to go. And then, uh, but I think his ceiling is really high and, you know, great kid, man, really good kid who's going to already be active on the recruiting trail. That was one of the reasons, one of the reasons why he said he wanted to commit early was to start building the recruiting class. So he's going to be active. You know, you already know dad's going to be active trying to recruit for Oregon as well. He has been. So uh, I see nothing but upside with, uh, with KJ.